if you've ever wondered what's in it for the beneficiaries in a spendthrift trust, you've come to the right place, although the answer is not going to be what you're expecting. Hi, my name is Don Thornton, and I am a senior trust specialist. I'm also known as Don the Short Sell Guy because I've in my 20-year real estate investing career, I've helped well over 3,500 homeowners get out from foreclosure, uh, sell their property that's upside down on a mortgage, and you know mitigate the damage to their credit. In this video, I'm going to tell you about what you know what the beneficiaries get out of being a beneficiary in this spendthrift trust. I'm going to first go over how the relationship works between the trustee and the beneficiaries. I'm going to talk about the fact that in this trust, the beneficiaries aren't or don't get direct disbursements and why. And I'll talk about all the benefits that you do get as a beneficiary in this trust. So it's going to be very interesting. Let's get down to it right now. So let's talk about a trustee and the beneficiaries, how this all works. Okay, so just as a reminder, this is a non-grantor, irrevocable, complex, discretionary spendthrift trust. The trustee has 100% discretion to manage and maintain and give upkeep for all of the assets on behalf of the beneficiaries of the trust. So what does that mean? That means that the trustee has total control over how this works. So the trustee can bring in beneficiaries and the trustee can remove beneficiaries. And he or she has 100% discretion to do so. So, you know, I have, I, it's, it's interesting, this is an interesting point because I have spoken with people, especially older um, clients that are concerned about what happens if a beneficiary gets on drugs or becomes an alcoholic and they feel like that having access to all these benefits might do more harm than good. And they wonder what can they do as trustee or whoever takes over as trustee when they pass. And that's, you know, I, I assure them that as long as you, you know, have your wishes and, and your uh, successor trustee agrees to abide by your wishes in this operating agreement, then, you know, you can have that trustee that's going to follow you, basically, uh, you know, remove a, a beneficiary that might, you know, whose access to all this, all these benefits might be, uh, might bring more harm than good. So that's the one thing about this. Now, remember, uh, at all times, there's one person in the trust that has total control. Now, you can have two trustees, co-trustees, but there always has to be somebody that has 100% control. And that, in this, in this case, that would be the compliance overseer. And again, it, 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 it's all semantics. Basically, the trustee or and or the uh, compliance overseer has con total control. And it has to be that way because the, the, um, uh, the discretionary part of this trust has to be 100% for tax reasons because the, the trustee has to declare that the passive income that's coming into the trust will be declared an extraordinary dividend in accordance with IRS code 643. I'm going to get to that and get and get into that more in a little bit, just so you know. So the beneficiaries are added and removed at the discretion of the trustee. Okay. So, I mean, who was your, I mean, you can have anybody be a, a beneficiary in my particular case. My wife is a beneficiary. She's also a successor trustee. In case something happens to me, she becomes, you know, she takes over as trustee. 
and I have my daughter, my son, and my grandson are my beneficiaries. You are not obligated to have family in your trust or the trust that you are trustee of. So it can be anybody you want. Just understand that in order for this whole system to work, you have to have at least one beneficiary in the trust. So what I would love for you to do right now is to subscribe. So, you know, please don't be shy. You, I'm making great content here. I mean, with all due humility, people have told me that they really enjoy my videos. They enjoy how I explain things and so forth. So uh, why don't you uh, not worry about missing uh, a new video that comes up. So if you just subscribe and you hit that little bell that will alert you when I drop a new video, then you'll uh, be notified and uh, you'll be able to consume this content. All right. So the second thing I'm going to talk about is how the beneficiaries do not get any direct disbursements in this strategy. And it's important because this is what is required by IRS code 643. And those of you who have watched my videos in the past, you know that everything that we do here is part of IRS code 643. And we do not want to do anything that goes against that tax code that would trigger a taxable event for us. And a big one is dispersing to trustees, excuse me, uh, to beneficiaries. So I'm going to read you uh, an analysis that was done by a, a senior uh, IRS um, agent about this thing. And I'm going to, it, it's a very good um, resource to understand better how this works. Okay. So bear with me. I'm going to read this. So I'm not going to be looking right at you. Okay. So basically it says that uh, now title 26, subtitle a chapter one, sub chapter one, part one, sub part a section 643, IRS code 643 definitions applicable to subparts a, b, c, and d clearly define and outline that gains from the sale or exchange of capital assets shall be excluded to the extent that such gains are allocated to the corpus of the trust and are not required by the governing instrument to be distributed to the beneficiaries. Okay, so see, it says that it does not want to be, uh, you would not want to distribute this to the beneficiaries. It further outlines that extraordinary dividends uh, are excluded as items of gross income constituting extraordinary dividends. And whereas the trustee, according to the terms and conditions of the trust, in compliance with all applicable laws, and trustee acting in good faith determines that such dividends are allocable to the corpus of the trust under the terms of the governing instrument and local law shall not be considered income. All right. So what we're talking about here is the fact that we do not want to distribute anything to the beneficiaries. Any income, passive income that's coming into the trust is going into the trust bank account, into the corpus of the trust, where it's going to remain and not distributed to the beneficiaries. Now you're probably saying, well, Don, what good does it be to be a beneficiary then? Do they, don't they get any, any uh, benefit from being a beneficiary? Yes, they get tons of benefits, but just not direct money dispersions. Okay, that's the disbursements. So that's very important. And that's all tied to how we how this trust works with IRS code 643. So I'm going to get into that in just a second about how that works, about what benefits you get as a beneficiary. But first, I want you to leave a comment. By the way, this particular 
um, video that I'm doing right now is because somebody left a comment and asked me to do a video about how the trust works with the beneficiaries and, and how they get their benefits and whether they get direct money or not. And so your wish is my command. So I encourage you to leave me a comment so that way I know what you want, what kind of content you know resonates with you that you'd like to know more about. And you know, for selfish reasons, I'd like to have the algorithm show this to more people. More comments equals more engagement. So I appreciate that. So let's talk now about the benefits of being a beneficiary. And they are a lot, okay? The key principle that you want to remember here is that you're, the beneficiary is not going to get a dime in disbursements as we talked about previously. But that doesn't mean you're not getting massive monetary value from being a beneficiary. It just means we do it in a different way. Let me give an example. Okay, so if you have minor children, any you know below twenty, you know below twenty-one years of age, then the trust can pay for almost everything that has to do with those minor beneficiaries. So what does that mean? Okay, so you you know you want to take the you're gonna you're gonna buy the kitties uh, new clothes for the new school year. That's a trust expense. But remember, you're not gonna give your teenage daughter who's you know just gonna buy her own fashion. Damn it, I'm a woman now. You know, you're not going to cut, give her a check and say, okay, honey, go ahead, you know, or you're not going to give her the trust debit card and say, okay, go buy what you want. No. What it means is that you as trustee is going to, you're going to buy those clothes for your daughter. And it may be a painfully uh, horrible experience for both her and you. You're going to have to stay 50 feet away from her so nobody knows that you're with her because you'll embarrass her, Right. Uh, but you'll be the one at, at checking out and buying all of that. And of course, you keep the receipts and you, you know, and you, when you do your charter of accounts, it's going to show that this is for, uh, you know, the clothing for your minor child who is a beneficiary of the trust. So let's say that, you know, if you're, if you take your kids, if you have your kids in a private school, so you're, and you have to pay for their tuition, the trust pays the, the school directly. Again, you're not getting precious, your precious princess you know, $5,000 to pay for the next semester, that would be a, dis a taxable disbursement. You're going to pay the educational institution itself. Okay. You see how this works. If you're, if your precious uh, daughter, I'm picking on the daughters here. I'm okay. Say your son, let's say your son needs extra help math tutoring. Okay. So you're The trust is going to pay that tutor directly. So what about, uh, you know, okay. So food, they have to be fed. So anything having to do with, with uh, feeding your children, that's a trust expense, or not just your children, because any minor beneficiary in the trust. What about, uh, you know, when you buy, let's say um, the trust has bought a, a vehicle and it is available for your minor children to, to uh, use. That is a trust expense. The trust pays for everything that has to do with that vehicle, right? You send your kids, you send your, your minor beneficiaries off to college. Again, tuition paid for by the trust directly to the institution. They go. They want to have a food plan, right? So they go to the cafeteria and eat. Again, you pay the university or the college directly. All of anything that has to do with them is paid, right? So uh, wellness is another big thing. So anything having to do with wellness for the beneficiaries is paid. You want to go to a spa, paid. You want to go to, uh, I don't know, acupuncture, whatever, you know, uh, it's all paid. Anything to do with health, chiropractors, 
doctor's visits, whatever has to do with health is, is a legitimate trust expense for uh, the trust. Now, uh, if you if you have a beneficiary who has special needs, then that continues for their lifetime. The trust pays for everything that has to do with their maintenance and support. And uh, so, again, we, we talked about already any assets that are in the trust, the beneficiaries use and can use with no problem. Your private, I mean, your your residence, if you have, a, you know, your your um, children, your minor beneficiaries, your wife, your husband, whoever is a beneficiary, they get full access and use of all of those assets. And again, the trust is maintaining all of that, right? So, uh, you know, any kind of uh, even credit card interest is, you know, insurance. There's so much that can be considered a trust expense that you're going to find when you decide to take the plunge and invest in a trust like this. You're going to find that so much of this, of what you do in life is can be considered a trust expense and the trust pays for it. And remember, the trust is paying for this with non-taxable dollars that have been, you know, is passive income is coming to the trust. It's been allocated to the corpus of the trust. It has not been dispersed. That money is just sitting there. And while it can be used to invest in other things, you can buy other real estate, crypto, Forex, whatever you want to invest in, you know, the trust can put that money out there and that becomes a trust expense, right? But uh, it also can pay for legitimate trust expenses that have to do with day-to-day -day life and helping to uh, support and maintain the beneficiaries. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So uh, if you're interested more in learning more about this, by all means, there should be in the description, there should be a website for you to go to. Uh, reach out to me. You can get, you can, you can get my ebook and my, see a webinar. You have more information about this. There's also a link to my scheduling uh, program, Calendly, where you can make a, an appointment with me and we can talk and go over what's going on in your specific situation. And we can get you set up and get to the point where, you know, your beneficiary is going to love you. And you're going to love the fact that so and the huge legal reductions in your taxes and your asset protection. No one's ever, you know, people can sue, but they're not going to stop going anywhere because of the spendthrift provision. So I want to thank you again for being uh, here and watching my video and I'll see you next time.